0: Hi, I'm Jeffrey, and welcome back to Nightfalls. Come, settle in for tonight's calming meditation and soothing bedtime story. As always, don't worry if you fall asleep before the end. You can drift off whenever you're ready. Come. Get settled by the fireside as we rejoin Sherlock Holmes in the quaint seaside town of Inglewood Bay. Although Sherlock has come to love the slower pace of life, his retirement has allowed for, the inexplicable appearance of a pineapple cake in Tonight's Tale provides the ex-detective with a slice of mystery he used to crave. The tail end of a mystery seems to have the same effect on Mr. Holmes as throwing a ball out into the woods does for Otto. There is only so long he can hold off on chasing it down, And seeking out answers. Before we begin, here's a word from our valued sponsors who make this free content possible. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For the best way to fall asleep with Nightfalls, you can now become a premium supporter. Enjoy the entire back catalog of Nightfalls classics, all with a rich, immersive, and totally ad-free experience. If you love falling asleep to Nightfalls, Nightfalls Premium will elevate your sleep while helping to support myself and the team. We love creating Nightfalls, but without supporters, it wouldn't be possible. Join Nightfalls Premium today in just two taps on both Apple Podcasts or via the Supercast link found in the show notes for all other podcast players. Your sleep will thank you for it, and so will I. Before we begin tonight's tale, let's take a moment to wind down and relax. Start by stretching out your muscles and working into the joints made stiff by the weight of the day. Bring out the tension knotted up in your core and stretch your arms and legs, however feels best for you. When you're feeling ready and not a moment before, come to settle in a neutral position and let your eyes drift closed. Lying there, draw a gentle breath in through your nose, and let it wash out through your mouth. Feel the flow of evening air washing in and out of your body, easy, effortless, and ever replenishing as you settle into relaxation tonight. On your next in-breath, feel the warming evening air come to settle somewhere deep within you. Even as you exhale, that warmth stays with you. It soothes your core and softens your abdominals. Breathing in once more, feel that inner warmth spreading through you, guiding your hips to release, and allowing your lungs to expand to their full capacity. That warmth spreads into your arms and legs. Soothing your muscles and helping them to lengthen and loosen. On your next in-breath, feel that heat helping your shoulders, head, and neck to melt into the soft cushions beneath you. As you exhale, let any last dregs of energy lingering within you drain from your fingertips and toes. Now, if you're feeling ready, center your attention on the sound of my voice and tonight's tale can begin. Sherlock Holmes woke up bright and early on a sunny Saturday in late September. Even though he had officially retired from his work as a detective, getting up early was something he continued to do. He would moved to the delightful coastal town of Inglewood Bay, over a year ago, and he loved filling his days, visiting the local areas and chatting with the friendly residents. On that beautiful morning, there was another reason why Sherlock wanted to get up early and it was related to his wonderful landlady, Mrs. Pemberton. Sherlock rose from his bed and swiftly prepared himself for the day. He normally took his breakfast in his room, but he had other plans. Once he was dressed and his bed made, Sherlock made his way to the dining room, where his fellow guests were already in attendance. They smiled knowingly at each other, like co-conspirators. Sherlock took a seat at the table next to the bay window and gazed out at the calm blue sea washing upon the golden sands of Inglewood Bay. It was a soothing scene and always filled him with contentment. A few moments later, his attention was drawn to the sound of soft footsteps heading towards the dining room. It was a sound he recognized, and it caused a soft smile to alight on his face. It was Mrs. Pemberton, and she was bringing in hot dishes of cooked food for her guests. The aroma of cooked bacon and scrambled eggs drifted through the open door. Then the good lady herself appeared expertly carrying four plates, all at once. Her focus immediately went to Sherlock, and she raised a questioning eyebrow at him, for she knew he had asked for his breakfast to be served in his room all week. He smiled in reply, but kept silent. Mrs. Pemberton bade everyone a good morning and gave out the cooked food. She walked over to Sherlock, her brow wrinkled in consternation. She said, Good morning, Mr. Holmes, I was about to bring your breakfast to your room as per usual. Is something amiss? Is there something wrong with your lodgings? Sherlock gave her a reassuring smile. Good morning, Mrs. Pemberton. There is absolutely nothing amiss with my room. Couldn't wish for a more perfect place to spend my twilight years. But I do believe there is a reason for a celebration today, and I wanted to wish you a happy birthday in person as soon as I could. On cue... The rest of the guests wished the landlady a happy birthday, too. And to Mrs. Pemberton's surprise, they produced gifts of flowers, chocolates, and books. Mrs. Pemberton blushed and said, Thank you for your birthday wishes, but you really shouldn't have gone to the trouble of buying me gifts. How did you know it was my birthday? Sherlock said he had spoken to her sister, Lizzie, the last time she'd been there, and Lizzie had mentioned it was coming up. He had told the other guests, and they had all agreed they should celebrate Mrs. Pemberton's special day with gifts. The landlady smiled and thanked her guests for their thoughtful presence. Sherlock advised he had something different for Mrs. Pemberton, and he held out an envelope to her. Mrs. Pemberton took the envelope, said thank you, and opened it. Her face lit up with joy. Mr. Holmes, tickets to the Picture Palace and an afternoon tea at the Bluebird Cafe for me and a friend. What a wonderful treat and so very thoughtful of you. I'll save these for a special day. But today is a special day," Sherlock pointed out gently. Could you take some time off today, perhaps? There's a matinee performance of that new Charlie Chaplin film that you want to see. Mrs. Pemberton shook her head. I couldn't possibly have time away from my duties. What if you or the other guests need me?" Sherlock said he would be out all day, and the other guests confirmed they would be out too. Mrs. Pemberton still wasn't sure. She looked out of the bay window and towards the pier, where the picture palace was located. It would be lovely to see that new film, though, Let me have a think about it whilst I get your breakfast, Mr. Holmes." She walked away, a wistful smile on her face. Sherlock settled back in his chair and looked out of the window again. He hoped his landlady would take some time off for her birthday. She worked so hard and definitely deserved a break. His thoughts went to the day ahead and what he would do. A stroll along the promenade was always a good start to the day. Inhaling the refreshing morning sea air and sharing greetings with the other inhabitants of the town was such a delight. He was brought out of his musings by the sudden reappearance of Mrs. Pemberton Consternation filled her face, and she wrung her hands in agitation. Sherlock was at her side in a second and asked what was troubling her. "Mr Holmes, I don't know what to make of it. I really don't. It wasn't there when I left the kitchen, but when I went back, there it was. Someone must have delivered it when I was in here a minute ago." You come into the kitchen with me and see what you make of it.' "'Of course,' Sherlock replied. He followed his landlady into the kitchen. She stopped at the kitchen table and pointed to a white cardboard box that was in the middle of it. The lid had been taken off, so Sherlock moved closer and looked inside the box he saw a pale, yellow cake topped with swirls of cream icing. Across the middle of the cake were the words, Congratulations, you are the winner. Mrs. Pemberton glowered at the cake and folded her arms. Sherlock took in her body language and quickly made some assumptions. He said, You haven't entered any competitions, and as far as you know, no one in this house has either. With the smallest hint of offence in her voice, Mrs. Pemberton said, If they have entered a competition, no one's told me about it, and my guests usually tell me things like that. I don't know where this cake has come from and who left it, let alone who it's intended for. There isn't a card. And the only words are those ones on the icing. Sherlock asked if it could be a birthday cake which had been mistakenly iced with the wrong words. Perhaps her sister Lizzie had ordered it for her. Lizzie has already sent me a huge box of chocolate, came the reply. She wouldn't have ordered me such a cake, nor would anyone else who knows me, not considering the peculiar ingredient it contains. Look closer, Mr. Holmes. Sherlock examined the cake in more detail. He noticed small chunks of yellow fruit nestled in the buttercream icing. The fruit was visible inside the sponge too, albeit in smaller pieces. Once he'd identified what the fruit was, realization dawned. Mrs. Pemberton announced, Pineapple. It's pineapple. And you know how I feel about pineapple, Mr. Holmes. Sherlock nodded. Indeed, he did know how Mrs. Pemberton felt about pineapple. She had tried it once and taken an intense dislike to it, even though he had given her a brief yet fascinating history of the exotic fruit And how it had once been held in high regard amongst the upper classes, he hadn't been able to influence her to change her mind and try it again. She had told him firmly she had tried it once and hadn't liked it, and that was the end of the matter. Mrs. Pemberson gave the cake a long look and asked him who would put pineapple in a cake anyway, when there were plenty of other fruits on offer. It was such a peculiar combination, and not an appetizing one, in her humble opinion. Sherlock thought the cake looked delicious, but kept that thought to himself. He surmised, The cake isn't for you nor anyone else in this house, as far as you are aware. We don't know where it came from. And who is the rightful recipient? You know what this means, Mrs. Pemberton? We have a mystery on our hands. His landlady nodded in agreement and said, I know you've officially retired, but could you investigate this mystery on my behalf? I want the cake to go to the right person. Sherlock said he could certainly do that. As he spoke, a wonderful idea came to him. Mrs. Pemberton, would you like to investigate this mystery with me? I could use an assistant, if you have time, that is. Mrs. Pemberton's eyes filled with exhilaration. Oh, Mr. Holmes, I would love to help you. I have plenty of time for that. Give me ten minutes, I need to change into something more appropriate. I'll meet you at the front door with a lightness in her steps, Mrs. Pemberton hastened out of the kitchen with impressive speed. Sherlock took another look at the cake and then put the lid back on. He returned to the living room and asked if anyone had entered any competitions lately, or if they knew anyone who had. He added the competition would most likely be cake-themed. The guests answered in the negative. Sherlock quickly retrieved his coat and hat from his room and then waited at the front door for his new assistant. Mrs. Pemberton appeared a minute later, resplendent in her Sunday best, wearing a floral dress, a light coat and sensible shoes. She smiled at Sherlock and said, Thank you for inviting me on your investigation. This could well be the best birthday present I've ever received. Where shall we start? I know, we should find out who delivered the cake and take it from there. Some of my neighbours would have noticed something. They're very observant, and most observant of all is Miss Mackenzie, two doors down. She never misses a thing. Sherlock was happy to let Mrs. Pemberton take the lead. The sparkle in her eyes was a joy to behold. Mrs. Pemberton left the house with Sherlock at her side, and they walked briskly down the road. They stopped outside Miss Mackenzie's house, and when she opened it after responding to Mrs. Pemberton's knock, she was happy to answer their questions. Yes, Miss Mackenzie advised, she had seen someone deliver a white box to Mrs. Pemberton's house a short while ago. Yes, she knew who it was. It was Mr. Thompson, the greengrocer. She thought it was strange because his deliveries were always in wooden crates and never in boxes. When Miss Mackenzie heard that the cake contained pineapple, Her face was a picture of puzzlement, and she asked why someone would do such a thing. Like Mrs. Pemberton, Miss Mackenzie was not an admirer of pineapple. Mrs. Pemberton said she had no idea, but once she cracked the case with Mr. Holmes, she would give Miss Mackenzie the full details. Mrs. Pemberton thanked her for her time and said goodbye Sherlock and his landlady walked the short distance to Thompson Greengrocer's. It was situated on a corner that was known locally as Blustery Corner, due to the fact that it was a wind tunnel, and often caught pedestrians unaware as they strolled towards it. Many newspapers, several hats, and countless umbrellas had been caught by a sudden strong gusts and whipped away. Most items were recovered, but some were not so lucky, and were taken high above the roofs, never to be seen again. Sherlock and Mrs. Pemberton were not newcomers to the blustery corner, and prepared themselves by increasing their grip on their belongings. The gusty wind that morning was no match for them, and they entered the greengrocers with no loss of possessions. Mr. Thompson was standing behind the counter, his cheeks as rosy as the apples he sold. He bade them a warm welcome and asked what he could do for them. He had a special offer on bananas that day, if they were interested. Mrs. Pemberton said, no, thank you, to the bananas, and said she had it on good authority that he had delivered a cake to her house earlier. Could he confirm that, please? He nodded and said, yes, that's right. I put it in your kitchen. I knocked on the door, but there was no answer. I've left deliveries on your kitchen table before, so I popped the cake on there. Are you sure I can't get you any bananas? Mrs. Pemberton kindly refused again and asked why he had delivered it to her. Who had asked him to do that? Mr. Thompson ran a hand across the back of his neck. Now then, let me explain. I found the box on top of a delivery of potatoes outside my shop earlier on. I didn't see who had left it there, but there was a note tucked half inside the lid. I opened the note and managed to read a few words, but you know what the wind is like out there. A sudden gust whipped the paper out of my hand and took it towards the sea. It all happened in a flash, and there was no chance of me catching it. It's long gone." He shrugged to confirm he was helpless in the face of such events. "'What words did you manage to read?' Mrs. Pemberton asked. The greengrocer replied, The message was, Dear Mr. Thompson, please could you deliver this cake to?" And that's all I saw before the paper was taken from my hands. I knew it was your birthday today, Mrs. Pemberton, because your Lizzie mentioned it to me a while back and said she might send you something, so that's why I delivered the box to your house. I'm not sure why she didn't send it straight to you, though but I did think that maybe the person who made the cake was too busy to get it to you, and so asked me to deliver it instead. Is it from Lizzie? Mrs. Pemberton briefly explained about the mystery, and when she told him about the flavor of the cake, he shook his head and said he didn't know where the mysterious baker had got their pineapple from because he hadn't been able to get any for months. And from what he'd heard, Neither had anyone else. There was a pineapple shortage in the area at the moment. He offered again to take the cake back. Mrs. Pemberton said there was no need and she had everything completely under control and would have the mystery solved in no time. She thanked him for his time. Sherlock tipped his hat to Mr. Thompson and wished him a pleasant day. Sherlock and his landlady left the greengrocers and walked swiftly away from Blustery Corner before discussing the case. Mrs. Pemberton confessed she had told Mr. Thompson a small lie because she had no idea what to do next and asked Sherlock what his thoughts were on the mystery. Sherlock smiled at his perplexed landlady and said there was only one thing to do at a time like that—have a cup of tea and let their minds work on the problem in the background. It always worked for him when he didn't have an answer to something. There was a cafe nearby where they could have a rest and perhaps some breakfast. Mrs. Pemberton's eyes grew wide. Mr. Holmes, with all this hoo-ha— I didn't make your breakfast. I'm so sorry. Sherlock said it didn't matter in the slightest, as he was having a wonderful time investigating the mystery with her and had quite forgotten about breakfast until a second ago. They went to the cafe, and Sherlock insisted on paying for everything. They took a table by the window. Sherlock took their minds off the case by asking Mrs. Pemberton about her sister, Lizzie, and where she had travelled recently. They chatted over a pot of tea and bacon sandwiches. As Mrs. Pemberton sipped the last of her tea, her face lit up, and Sherlock knew an idea had come to the front of her mind. Mr. Holmes, I know what we should do next. My first thought was to walk around the town and knock on many doors to ask if anyone had baked that peculiar cake, but that could take hours. It's occurred to me that we need to concentrate on the pineapple instead. Mr. Thompson said there was a shortage of that item in the area, so if you wanted to bake a pineapple cake and you knew about the local shortage— what would you do? She smiled at him, and Sherlock could see she already had the answer. Sherlock advised he would try to order one from out of town, and the best way to do that was by sending a telegram, or letter, to a possible pineapple supplier. Exactly, Mrs. Pemberton replied. And where would you do such a thing? At the post office, of course. That's where we need to go next. Mrs. Tivoli is working there today, and she talks to everyone who goes into that post office. If someone talked about ordering a pineapple whilst she was on duty, then Mrs. Tivoli would certainly know who that was. She gave him a satisfied smile. Then her smile wavered a little. And she asked if she was on the right track with her suggestion, or did Mr. Holmes think it was the wrong action to take. Sherlock said it was the perfect solution, and he was impressed with her detective way of thinking. They left the café and headed towards the post office. The detecting duo were delighted to discover that Mrs. Tivoli did know who had ordered a pineapple, and furthermore, she knew why. It was Miss April Morgan who ordered the pineapple all the way from London, Mrs. Tivoli explained. She's new to town and started work at the school as a teacher a few weeks ago. She told me that as a way to get to know the pupils in her class better, she had held a cake competition and asked the children to design their dream cake to let her know why they had chosen such a cake. I don't know who the winner was or why they had chosen pineapple, but April picked the pineapple up yesterday and said she would get to baking straight away. Mrs. Pemberton had already met April a few times in passing. They had stopped to chat and discovered they had a lot in common April had extended an open invitation for tea and cake at her house, but Mrs. Pemberton hadn't found the time to visit her yet. Mrs. Pemberton thanked Mrs. Tivoli for her time and left the post office with Sherlock. The last part of the mystery was soon revealed to the detectives. April was at home and invited Sherlock and Mrs. Pemberton inside for a cup of tea and some freshly baked chocolate cake. Once seated in the living room, Mrs. Pemberton told the young teacher about the pineapple cake mix-up. A range of emotions passed over April's face, starting with puzzlement and ending with embarrassment. April explained that one of her pupils, Robert, had won the cake competition at school. He loved everything to do with history, and he knew how important pineapples had once been to the royal family. He asked me if the kings and queens had ever eaten pineapple cake, she said. I told him I didn't know. Robert said if he had been a king, he would have eaten pineapple cake every day because he loved pineapple so much. There was such a happy look on his face that she knew Robert's cake idea should be the winning one. Unable to get the fruit locally, she had ordered one from London and collected it the previous day and made a cake as soon as she returned home. She didn't know where young Robert lived but he had mentioned his uncle was Mr. Thompson and he owned the local greengrocers. So she had left the cake outside his shop with a note to ask him to deliver it and a promise to pay for delivery charges once she knew what those were. April stopped talking and shook her head in dismay. What a mix-up for you, Mrs. Pemberton. I'm sorry to put you to such trouble. Mrs. Pemberton said it hadn't been any trouble at all, quite the opposite. She had thoroughly enjoyed investigating the mystery, and it was a satisfying feeling to know it was now solved. Over tea and cake, they agreed for April to collect the cake and take it to Robert's house with them. They would get the address from Mr. Thompson and let him know how the mystery had unfolded. April said young Robert would be over the moon to hear how his cake had been involved in a mystery, especially one that the great detective Sherlock Holmes had helped with. Sherlock shook his head and said Mrs. Pemberton had taken the lead in the investigation and deserved all the credit. Mrs. Pemberton blushed and said it was nothing. The cake was delivered to the delighted youngster. He was told about the mystery surrounding it. His mouth fell open and he seemed at a complete loss for words. As they walked away from Robert's house, Sherlock smiled as he heard Mrs. Pemberton asking the teacher if she had plans for the day because she had some tickets for the Picture Palace and the Bluebird Café and would love if April could accompany her. April said yes immediately and thanked Mrs. Pemberton for her kindness. The two women said goodbye to Sherlock and walked away, already lost in cheerful chatter. Sherlock Holmes, the retired detective, gazed once more upon the soothing scene of the sea washing up on the sands of Inglewood Bay. What a wonderful day it had been! Solving a mystery on his own was always a satisfying undertaking, but solving it with friends had made it much more special.